So a couple of uh, months ago, we had our our 10th birthday as a church, and we had this reunion over at Parkview where we first started. And uh, you might remember uh, when you walked into the gym, all on the left wall, there's this big timeline. And uh, it was hanging on these big pieces of canvas, and it had like all these different moments on this timeline from 1998 all the way through to uh, the present day. And um, just marking all the significant things that, that we could think of that were just moments where something special happened, where God led us to do something or start something or stop something or change something. And all of those moments along the timeline were um, significant ways that God uh, kind of molded us. And in a, in a very like iron sharpening iron kind of way, God used those things to form us into who we are and continue to, to morph that together as a family. And um, even though some of those moments were small and some of them were really big, they were all used by God in some pretty important ways. And um, something that we have always wanted to do from the very beginnings um, is to be a, a, a church plant that plants other churches, you know. So when I say be a, that we are a church plant, it means that Parkview Baptist, at some point, looked at us and said, you go and you start a new work in the city. And so they, they sent us out uh, to the gym, which wasn't very far, because we were in their gym for a little while. They sent us all the way to the gym, and we met. And then we went to LSU for a couple of years, and then we came here for a couple of years. And, um, so they planted us. And we grew, and our desire was always at some point for us to be a part of planting another church somewhere else. Um, that we would, we would be ones who not only received the blessing of being birthed as a church, but that we would give birth to another church. And so the last couple of months, we've been in that process of trying to discern what God is doing, and if He is leading us to plant another church in the city of Zachary. And so um, the elders and staff have been talking about this for longer, maybe longer than it, what you would think. Um, and it's kind of it's been one of those ideas in the back of my head that would make sense. Instead of us being a part of a church plant that's like way across the country, maybe we're about transplanting groups from among us. Uh, maybe that's what our history would look like. And so the elders and staff began to talk about it and pray about it and things. And then um, Zachary seemed like this obvious uh, thing to consider. Because we have a community group there that has about 25 adults in it and about 28 kids. And um, is becoming more and more difficult in terms of distance for a Sunday evening service. You, know, that's a, you guys know it's, sometimes it's hard to get here. Try to get here for a single person, much less someone that has like has like young kids and that kind of stuff. So it can be difficult, and when you're driving that far, uh, it can just kind of be uh, it can be tough, and and so in considering the, the just the the reality of, of how that's a difficult thing, and then how many people are a part of that community group, and how many like how many unique things are happening in that city. And how there are not enough churches to keep up with the population growth. All these kind of things began to just run through my head. And I began to wonder, has God already begun planting a church there through this community group? 
And I began to talk about it. Meg and I would talk about it. And the elders and I would talk about it. And we would talk and we would pray and stuff. And then one day, I just kind of, in a very candid moment, just kind of like threw it out there to some of the Zachary folks. And they like jumped on it like a bass. Like it was amazing. They were just like all over it for a second. And they were like, is that really something that could happen? Like, would that, can you do that? Like, how do you, who gives you permission to do that? You know, and there's all these questions. And so we began to talk and to pray. And in January, the elders and staff went out and met with the community group on a Saturday. And we just kind of just got real and just talked about everything. And um, then I came in on that next Sunday and told, every, told everyone that we had had this meeting. And we were talking about maybe doing this mission church in Zachary, which means that um, when a church like us starts a new church, you start off as a mission, which means that you are still under the umbrella of the mama church until you're ready to be on your own. And so um, we, I said, we're praying about this. We're talking about this. I want all of you to be praying as well. So it's been a lot of praying back and forth and that kind of stuff. And um, the, the elders were kind of like, all right, let's, let's see if we're to the point where the Zachary group feels good enough about God's direction in things to bring everyone in and do something like a more formal uh, really like a big push to the Lord with all of us involved to see if this is what he wants us to do. And so that's where we are. We're entering into uh, what John Piper calls like this Antioch moment. And we're going to talk about where that comes from here in a second. But these moments where the church is on the cusp of something really big and maybe kind of daunting, but is God calling us to step out and do something like this or not? We don't really know. We just know that God is showing us one, like he's showing us what the next step is and calling us to take it. And so in January, it was meet with the elders and staff. And then it was pray. And then it was go meet with them again. And then it was pray. And then it was send out some prayer points to the whole church. And then it was pray. And then it was survey the whole Zachary group and see, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? And they were like, uh, maybe. We, we kind of feel like maybe, okay. And now we're at this point where we're going to do this, like, our own kind of 30 days of prayer about this specifically. Um, and so before I get into all that, I want us to look and kind of understand biblically where th- this kind of stuff comes from and how it's, like, ingrained in us as believers, okay? So Acts chapter 13 um, Starting in verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Okay, so here's what's happening in this moment of Christian history. Um, Acts 1 verse 8 uh, which we'll put up on the screen, serves as this programmatic statement of how the book of Acts transpires. Okay, um, So verse 8 
it says, let me see if I can remember it. There it is. Okay. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the book of Acts is split into thirds. The first third, not equal thirds, but three sections. The first third is the Jerusalem part. The second third is the Judea and Samaria part. And the third section is the end of the earth part. Acts 13 is where the end of the earth part starts. Okay, this is where the gospel is now gonna, about to just break like wildfire out all around the world. Um, and so let me just kind of point out a couple of things that are worth noting from this section. Uh, so, all right, look at verse 2. So it lists the, the leaders in the church of Antioch, and the whole church was gathered. And the leaders who are present, it's just a, a, a way of kind of just describing the scene. All right, But this is the whole church is gathered. In verse 2 it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Okay, So this happened like during a time when they were focused on the Lord. They could have been doing anything else at any other point, And God speaks to us at all different points along the way. I get that. But there is significance to the fact that when the church was focused on the Lord the most, when they were zeroed in, is when they heard Him speak. That's what we need to hear God speak to us. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to happen only when we're gathered in worship. It happens when we're focused. And that's why we're going to take some time and focus and pray on this and look Him in the face and ask Him what we're supposed to do. So that's a significant part of, this, of the, the story here. It also says in verse 2, when the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Barnabas and Saul were singled out among the congregation. The God had something in mind for them. They didn't conjure this up on their own. They didn't lead a, you know, some sort of campaign to be sent out to do anything. That God initiated this. And he picked out the two probably of the best in the church in terms of uh, spiritual maturity and giftedness and all this kind of stuff. Now, I'm not trying to say we're ranked and all that kind of stuff, whatever, but think about how young the church was right now. And for God to take out probably two of those rocks of the congregation and send them away. It probably was difficult for the church. Probably because they loved Saul and they loved Barnabas. And there's a relational you know, thing that's going on there. I mean, these guys had probably been a crucial part of their coming to Jesus and their discipleship and their maturity and had just become this part of the bedrock there. And now God was going to take them away. They were missing those relationships, and they were going to miss those gifts that those guys brought. And when we talk about taking a group from among us and transplanting them as their own mission church, we're talking about something that's going to be painful in a sense. Those relationships will be different. Those gifts that they bring to the table will be different. Things will be different. And so what God is asking this church to do in Antioch is not an easy thing. And what we're considering doing is not an easy thing. Easier would be, 
we send X amount of dollars a month across the country to a church plant that's trying to get off the ground, which is a legitimate thing that churches do. That way you're not really feeling the relational burden and the spiritual gifts burden and like all those kinds of things. So this, this is costly for us. Money, whatever, that's not, that's not the real cost that we would be paying. So in terms of counting the cost, we have to recognize that we're talking about changing our relationship within this family a little bit by sending some away to do the work that God may have for them. Worth praying about, right? Like you want to be, you want to know that God is doing that. You don't want to just casually, haphazardly, whatever, do that. And that's why we've spent months, and in some cases, like for me, like, like years thinking about this and, and speculating on this. And, and in some ways it feels like, especially for the Zachary group, it may feel like it's been dragging on and on. But we're just trying to, be, we're just trying to make sh- certain, you know. In Acts 13, it, we don't know what the timeline was. It seemed like it moved kind of rapidly, but, but we, got, we got time, so we're going to give it time. Because we want to know that it's the Lord. Um, so look what they did. So verse 3. All right, so verse 2. They, they're worshiping and fasting. The Spirit said, send them out. Verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they were worshiping and praying and fasting. The Spirit spoke. And then what they do? They prayed and fasted some more. And then they sent them off. That the people of God are always returning to the prayer closet. We're always bringing things to the Lord. And let's, let's put the church plant to the side for a second. Let's just think about our own discipleship. Everything that God is leading you to do is to be discussed with Him in prayer. It's just, it's a part of who we are. So you college grads that lined up, some of you know what you're going to do and some of you don't. In both cases, you're constantly, you're bookending every single experience by letting the Lord speak into it. You're just inviting him into it. All of us inviting him in. You think God's leading you to do something because you've been asking him? Awesome. You think you kind of have a conclusion? Awesome. Keep praying about that. Everything is just embedded in this context of prayer. And so that pattern that we see in Acts 13 is something we've been trying to follow. Ask him, and you listen to him speak, and then you ask him again to confirm it, and you just keep doing that over and over and over again. And that's kind of the pattern that we are trying to mimic. So verse 3, it says, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They put their hands on them, which last week we commissioned summer missionaries, right? They put their hands on them. And that is a way of saying we as the family recognize that God is at work in you and that he is calling you to do this. And we are confirming it. Not that God needs our confirmation, but sometimes he wants us to have each other's confirmation. And so we're saying God's in this and we're in this together. And so why not just ask this, why not just let the Zachary group, let them pray, let them go do their thing. Why do we all have to pray about it? Because we're all part of it. Because it would be a group from among us going to do this thing, and we would need to lay our hands on them and commission them and send them if this is what God wants. And so, if you're a non-Zachary community group person, um, this should matter to you very, very much, because these people matter very much to us. And so Saul and Barnabas, do you think that it was meaningful to them to have the church family gather around them and lay their hands on them and say, we, we believe it too? 
We believe it too. Do you think that when they were on those boats sailing across uh, the water that maybe it was good for God to bring back to mind? Like, Remember when all those people were there laying their hands on you? That's a physical reminder that I initiated this. And everyone prayed and everyone heard the same thing. And you're not crazy. <laughs> that would be a necessary thing for us. It would not be the Zachary group is going to plant. Y'all have a good time. It would be we, Living Hope, are planting a church in Zachary. We are the bow. They are the arrow. We're going to shoot them all the way, all the way north. Uh, we're going to do that, but we're going to be a part of sending and sustaining and that kind of stuff. So it would be... All of us putting our hands to this. Not the elders and staff, not the Zachary group, not just the people who are kind of, who kind of like are friends with those folks. It would be all of us putting our hands to this and saying yes. Or all of us taking our hands off of this and saying no. That's why we're praying. Because we've not yet heard God speak in such a way where he says, set apart the Zachary group for the work I have for them. It's not been distinct. It's not been clear. But he's been leading us in this direction to at least get to the point where we're ready to pray. And so this is the invitation to all of us to get on board with the prayer part of this. And to get serious about it, because what we're talking about doing is a really big deal. Um, It says they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and they went and they went and they went and they went. So they put their hands on them. They said, go and be obedient. So Saul and Barnabas went and they were obedient. And in a big picture way, like a really big picture way, we are in this room because the church at Antioch had the guts to say, yeah, let's send these very dear, very gifted people to go do the work that God has for them. And as they spread the gospel, the wildfire took off. And because this is the beginning of that to the ends of the earth deal, it eventually got to us. That you are here because someone else was faithful with the message. If you want to trace it all the way back to a point, this would be a milestone in your spiritual life and in my spiritual life. Is this time in Antioch when they were mature enough to be focused on the Lord, to hear Him speak, to process that in prayer and have the courage to say, yeah, let's go. So Saul and Barnabas had to say yes, and John, they had to say yes. The church had to say yes. Jesus had to say yes. Everybody had to say yes. And the gospel did its thing. And that's what we're talking about, really. It's not, it's not like, oh, let's, let's go plant this church. Let's start this new community project. Let's start this thing. It's, no, no. All Saul and Barnabas were going to do was to go and make disciples where God told them to go and make disciples. There wasn't this this thing of like, go, um, Saul and Barnabas need to go and they need to go plant a bunch of churches. Saul and Barnabas went and they just made disciples. And when disciples make disciples, then those disciples make disciples and those disciples make disciples. And churches just naturally blossom out of this discipleship that happens. 
And so while we may say we're going to plant a church in Zachary, what we're really talking about doing is we're going to plant this group of disciples in this community who are then going to make disciples who make disciples. And that's just going to flourish and grow in that community. So are we, are we hearing God say, yes, let's more efficiently and effectively impact the city of Zachary by sending this group to make disciples? And let's just let the church kind of happen. Is he doing that? And a part of all of us is going, well, of course he's doing that. You know, like, that's who we are. That's who he is. Of course he's in this. Well, we're not going to assume it. Because you're talking about messing up, uh, not messing up in a bad way. I shouldn't say that. You're talking about um, disrupt. That's not good either. I can't think of the right word. You're talking about a serious something that's going to happen to that group, to that city, to our our church, and you're talking about really like stirring some things up. And so we just, need him to, we just need him to confirm it. And so the Zachary group is ready to ask all of you to join them for the next month in praying about this. There's a writer named Alex McManus who says, uh, he summarizes the outward call of the gospel in this way. It says, the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. The gospel comes to us on its way to some place else. This is a part of who we are. This is what God has been doing through His church since this day. He's finding sheep without a shepherd, and He's drawing them to Himself through His people. It's just it's what He does. So what he, we're talking about doing is not a weird thing. It's a very normal and natural thing. It's just weird to us because we haven't encountered that yet. Because we weren't ready for it yet. And we may not be ready for it. Um, or it may not be what he really wants us to do. Or it may not look like we think it should look. We just need him to say it. And we need him to say it to all of us. So, a few months of listening and praying. Similar to what Antioch maybe experienced. And so we're going to follow their lead by praying about it. And just take a next, the next obedient step to try to hear the Spirit guide us one way or the other. So, you may know the story of the 30 days of prayer and where that started for us. Um, and the short version of the story is, as, as a group of college students who had started this worship service, we began to talk a lot about that service becoming a church plant. And we got each other all hyped up, you know. Um, and everyone, we were just talking a lot, talking a lot, talking a lot, but not maybe praying enough. And so we took a month, and we said, for the next month, we're going to separately pray and ask God to speak into this. And we're not going to talk to each other about, about it. We're going to encourage each other to keep praying and keep journaling and keep writing things down, but we're not going to be like, hey, what have you been hearing? What have you been hearing? That kind of stuff. We're going we're gonna to go radio silent on that issue among us for a month. And then at the end of that month, we're going to come back together and we're just going to throw everything out on the table and we're going to see how much consistency there is around the room. And so we did that. And at the end of that month, the consistent thing was, this is what we heard God tell us. And so we're going to do something similar for the next month. And, um, and I don't really know what to call it, so for this, just for right now, I'm going to call it the 30 Days of Zachary. And you can call it anything else that you want. It doesn't really matter. So for the 30 Days of Zachary, here's, what, here's the main thing that we're going to be praying. And I'm going to email this out, uh, but if you can write this down, that would, be, that would be awesome. We're basically praying for this one thing. 
We're asking for clarity and discerning His voice. We're asking God, are you calling us to begin a new work in Zachary? That's the bottom line. Not 20 things to pray for. There's one thing to pray for. God, are you calling us as Living Hope Fellowship? Are you calling us to do this? Now, already, a lot of you are nervous. Because one thing that we've discovered in the last few years around here is that we are not incredibly confident in our ability to hear from God. Are we? We're not. We're not. This is another opportunity for us to practice hearing his voice about something of eternal significance, right? We're going to practice. We're going to practice for a month. And we're just going to ask God, will you show us what you want to do? I want to give you three different aspects to pray within that one prayer. All right? The first one is for you, just your own discernment. You're going to ask God to speak to you. The second thing is you're going to pray for the Zachary community group. Because it obviously impacts them a little bit different than the non-Zachary community group. Right? So you're going to pray for the, for the arrow in this bow and arrow analogy. Right? Because they're going to need to be listening. It'd be easy for the non-Zachary folks to be like, yeah, absolutely, he's in it, go do it. They're the ones who have to actually go and do it. So you're going to pray for them, and then you're going to pray, the third thing is for the non-Zachary contingency. So you're praying for your ability to hear, for Zachary's ability to hear, and for the non-Zachary's ability to hear. And so we're going to go radio silent for a month in terms of what are you, in terms of like what are you hearing, but we will encourage each other. We'll pray about it on Sundays. It'll be a, a thing that we talk about. And in like a month, we're going to figure out a way to harvest what people have you know, been hearing. So the first 30 days meeting, we just got in a living room and it was like, all right, who wants to go first? Uh, we're not going to do it that way um, for a number of reasons. Uh, they we're going to find, we're going to figure out a way to try and harvest like some of what we believe God is, is calling us to do. And then we'll have a time to kind of process that and kind of like figure out what's, what's going on. Um, so we're just praying, God, are you calling us to do this? We're asking him to speak. You're, you, you are asking him to speak to you, the Zachary group and the non-Zachary group, just begging him to put us all on the same page. And I will say this, the Zachary folks and the elders and the staff are bringing this to you not because we think it's supposed to happen. This is not a, a way to lure you on board. We're bringing this to you because we feel like this is the next step in front of us. We don't know anything past that. So at the end of this 30 days of Zachary, God may say, no, this is not what I'm doing. Or he may say, yes, this is what I'm doing. Or he may say, have you thought about this? Or it could go a number of different ways. But at this point, this is where we feel like we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to approach it. Now, I'm sure that you have questions, and that's great. And you can ask me anything. You can ask uh, the elders. You can ask Meg. You can ask uh, anybody in the Zachary group. They probably love the encouragement. Um, the radio silence is not about, like, Things that like, may help you pray in a more informed way. But honestly, we're just praying for God to say yes or no. So uh, if there's anything that you really feel like you need to know in order to pray that more effectively, that's fine. After we figure out what we're doing is when we'll, we'll further explore some of the questions that a lot of you have. You know? So for example, the Zachary group, they're going to they're gonna want to know where, where would we meet? And what about childcare? And there, there's all these logistics that they're concerned about. But those are for later 
Now we just need the red light or the green light, or maybe the yellow light, but hopefully a red light or a green light. So there's some logistical things, there's all this kind of stuff that really will come once we get something confirmed by the Lord. So in conclusion, no matter what, no matter what happens with this, we're going to keep being disciples who make disciples. If God doesn't have this in mind for living hope, then that's, that's fine. We're going to keep doing our thing. So this is not make or break or anything like that. We're just, we're, I hope that you can hear in my heart, we're just trying to be obedient, nothing else. We're not trying to be some church that has a bunch of campuses or a bunch of satellite things and all this kind of stuff. We're just wanting to be obedient to him. And so, like being open-handed, like we talk about with our lives and with our, the stewardship of all that he's entrusted to us, this is the same thing. We're praying with wide open hands um, about this. This is a natural part of how we're made to function. And so maybe this is what God has for us. But I would like for you and I tonight to be blessed. Just be blessed by the fact that God invites us into what he's doing at all, because he doesn't need us. But he's chosen to involve us in bringing people into a relationship with him. That you, if you're a Christian, you're here because someone was faithful to you, and they're there because someone was faithful to them, and it trickles all the way back to Antioch, and it goes all the way back through the book of Acts, all the way to the beginning, to Acts 1-8, where the Spirit was like, look, I'm about to come, and it's, it's, everything is going to be different from this point forward. To just be blessed by what God has done with human history. And that you're here, you're a part of this history. And the fact that he saw it fit to get his gospel to you. And if you don't know Jesus, you can know him. I mean, you don't have to walk out of here. The song we sang right there at the end, I mean, his grace is there for you, and you can receive it today. I mean, this, is, this can be it. But can we just, as a church, as just a group of Christians, just put Zachary aside for a second. Let's put all that aside. Just amazed by the fact that God saw it fit to get his message of restoration and reconciliation to you and to me. It's, it's stunning. And will we be faithful then to carry that forward, to be a part of other people's stories in the places we live and where we work, in our own homes? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing in front of us. So let's stand together. We're going to respond like we normally do in a couple of different ways. Um, we're going to sing. And so if, you're, if, you want to, if that's your response, that's awesome. If you want to come down here and pray, that's cool. Chase is going to pray for us in a few minutes to kind of lead us through something for you know, what we're talking about tonight. Um, Meg's going to be down here serving communion. And when I talk about Jesus like holding out grace to us, as you, if, if you want to respond and if you're like, yeah, I, just, I need that grace that he has for me. I need, to, I need to follow the church at Antioch you know, and ask God to speak into the things I'm personally like, just trying to discern and listen for. And if that's where you are, then stepping to the communion table is a natural part of, of what we're called to do. Maybe inviting Jesus into where you are in your life right now is as simple as stepping up and taking the bread and ripping the bread off and dipping that in the juice and realizing that that, that that grace that we are receiving is real and tangible and that He is offering it to us.
So whether it's prayer, whether it's communion, or whether it's singing, or whether maybe you just need to just sit for a few minutes before things get crazy. Let's just respond together as I pray for us. Lord, we are so grateful to you. Um, to think about all of our stories just working, our, working its way back to a moment like this in Antioch. That because this group was faithful, the whole world was, is just not the same anymore. And so we stand on their shoulders. And we're preparing for others to stand on our shoulders. That this gospel has come to us from someone else on its way to someone else. And we just get to be a conduit of grace and compassion and love. And, and the fact that the story that we hear in the world around us is not the story. It's a distortion of that. That you offer us true life as you intended, as our creator and our sustainer. So God, thank you for seeing, um, for seeing it fit that we would be a part of that timeline. We're trusting that you'll lead us as a congregation. You'll show us what to do. You'll speak to us over this month. That we're never left out in the cold in terms of uh, your guidance and your shepherding and your love for us. And as we respond in the next few moments, God, I pray that you'd help us to just to see this as we're inviting you in to the places where you're moving and you're stirring us. Whether the burden on our heart is about the church plant in Zachary or whether it's about our our jobs, or our finances, or our marriages, or our kids, or friendships, or struggles that we've been having, decisions we have to make, the ways that we're grieving, the ways that we're celebrating, the ways that we're struggling. God, we follow the church in Antioch's example by looking you right in the face, just inviting you into that. So help us, Lord, through song and through prayer and through communion just to receive the grace that you're offering and holding out to us tonight. So the table is open. You can come forward. You can kneel and pray as we respond in the next few minutes.